Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. Um, I'm going to deviate from everything on the list of things I want to talk about. And I just, I want to speak to you just for a moment. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I'm just seeing a a, um, friend of mine and program director out in Tulsa suggesting that the um, prestigious engineering school my daughter is at this week is not that prestigious. You're a UGA fan. Of course it's not. (laughs) But about that. About that, can, can I just r- remark for a moment? Um, so I never did summer camps when I was a kid. I always thought that was the, the pretentious thing rich people did. They send their kids away for a month um, so that someone else can raise the kids before they come home to the nannies. Uh, but I, I found more and more people over the years who are not pretentious rich people, and they still send their kids to a week camp or a month-long camp. Uh, Chick-fil-A apparently has a has a, a great program that some kids go to I'd never heard of um, before. Um, I just, I don't, I, I, I like my kids. I don't just love them, I actually like them. And I never liked the idea of sending them away from home, and they're kind of homebodies anyway, so I didn't think they would want to go. But my 16-year-old has gone off to camp for a week. She's she's not home. Now, she's just up the road from us, about an hour from us. But she's in a dorm. She's got three roommates. They didn't know each other. One's from Connecticut, one's from Chicago, one's from Puerto Rico. And I, I gotta, I, I've got to commend her. So her school is a classical Christian school. They have to take debate class. And she said she went in the only kid when the professor asked who was in favor of uh, gas cars over electric cars. She was the only one who wanted gas. And everybody gasped, the heathen in the room. And the professor asked her why. And she said, well, the electric cars run off a coal-fired, unreliable power grid. And we're just trading the pollution we can see for pollution in African countries we can't see to get the rare earth metals. That was her her very... Very short speech, essentially. And all the kids were kind of muttering, and the professor said, she's right. And she says, as of now, half the kids in the group are now persuaded a gas-powered car would be preferable to a battery-powered car until we can get to hydrogen fuel cells. (laughs) Good for you, kid. But she's talked about the pronoun games that the very sciencey people wanted to play. And confronting the the Wiccans and the atheists and all that. And, and she's very nice to everybody. And everybody's very nice to her. She's a very kind soul. She's highly empathetic to other people, regardless of where they are in life. And I just, I, I you know, it's just, it's weird to, you raise up your kids. And... You, you, I, I know people who believe they should not impose their values on their on their kids. I'm like, if you think your values are right, you should want your kids to embrace your values. If you think your values are right, like I believe there's a, a single path in, into eternity uh, that ends up right, and I want my kid to be it. So we raised our kids in our faith, and we want them to maintain our faith, and we pray for our kids. And I just don't understand. I can't relate to the people who's like, nope, I wanted to figure it out on their own. 
your kid is not a blank slate allowing the environment to to um, register with them. You are supposed to raise your children and get them ready for the world. And, and, you know, this is the weirdest thing. I don't know that kids today are really ready for the world in the way other kids have been in the past. If people talk about the helicopter parent phenomenon, my, my parents, listen, I love my parents. I know they're listening right now. I, my, my sister and I, we were kind of feral kids. Um, I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, either playing by myself or with friends. We would take family trips together when we lived overseas. But, I mean, we were out running around, and, and there really wasn't a curfew as long as we were back at a decent hour. And I can't get my kids out of the house. They actually like to hang out with us so much. We have a hard time pushing them out the door to go hang out with their friends, which is kind of cool too. But my gosh, having my kid gone all week, I don't know what I'm going to do when she goes to college, um, being gone one weekend. By the way, this is, I should say, this is the first day we dropped her off yesterday. I'm like, when are we going to get our kid back? What's going to happen when she comes back? Is she going to be brainwashed? What are we going to do? It's been 24 hours since I saw. No, I take that back. It has been 22 hours since I saw my kid last. I'm like, when do we get her back? What do we do? Can I go break her out? I told my wife I, I had to be in the. I had to be in the city. I would. I would go by and see if she wanted to have dinner. My wife's like, what? Are you nuts? Like, why am I crazy? I want to go have dinner with my kid. No, she's at camp. She's supposed to be at camp doing camp things with all the people at camp. But, I mean, I'm here. Doesn't she want to see me? Doesn't she love me? Why won't she go to dinner with me? This is hard. Parenting sucks. (laughs) Moral of the story, don't have kids. (laughs) Kidding. Have kids and love them and and raise them. And can I just tell y'all? That, um, my goodness gracious, the, the world wants your kids. Goodness gracious. I, I, I sometimes feel bad that we let our kids have access to the internet. Now, they don't have access to TikTok. It's blocked in the house. They have access to YouTube. Interestingly enough, though, I can tell my daughter's headed in the right direction because what does she watch on YouTube? Ben Shapiro. I'm like, hello, your dad has a YouTube page. You could watch your dad. Nope, nope. I'm letting Ben teach my kid the the ways of the of the political world, which is fine. I told him. I actually sent him a note the other day. Ben and I are friends, and and I was like, Shapiro, don't you screw this up. My kid listens to what what you and all these people at the Daily Wire say. But the world wants your kids. And here's the thing, and, and I want to. I'm not talking. And some of you are here. Oh, he's talking to the Christians. I'm going to tune out. No, I am not talking. To anyone of faith here, I'm talking to every one of you who has or will have kids. Here, and I've talked to, to friends of mine who are progressives, talked to friends of mine who are libertarians, and and every single person feels the same way that when their child goes into the world, the world wants their child to be exactly opposite the way the parents raised the child. My progressive friends feel like their kids are getting into the world and they're being pulled into like the Trump sphere. 
my libertarian friends feel like their kids are being made socialist. I, I'm, I, my kids get into the world. And I feel like the atheists are calling to them. Hey, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have a relationship with your child. And I don't know that. I sometimes wonder about my relationship with. I, I always wonder about that. I, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm always fretful, always worried. I mean, my personal like motto. The Eric Erickson motto, it's on like my family crest, is why pray when I can worry. And I, so I always worry about these things, but I just, I'm I, I'm glad to know I'm not alone. Like every parent, regardless of their background and ideology, by and large, feels like their children are going off into the world. And, and will they still hold their values? Will they find their own way in the world? Will they come home someone you don't recognize? My kid's only gone for a week. I'm like, what? This is ridiculous, Erickson. Get some testosterone, buddy. Come on. <laughs> but it really is amazing. Now now I do want to talk to the people of faith. It actually is remarkable how hostile the world has rapidly become to people of faith. There are people in this world who believe that, that America is some sort of Christian nation. It never has been, people. It never has been. The man who wrote the Declaration of Independence you all love had a Bible where he redacted the parts he did not like. The, 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 the John Hagee ministries and the like that, that think we're somehow we were uh, a, a Christian nation. No, I'm sorry. I hate to disabuse you of the notion. No, we were not. The group of white male slave owners who redacted the Bible and, and the hedonistic Benjamin Franklin, they weren't the Christian standard bearers some of you have come to believe. They were a group of sinners creating a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men were created equal. They, they believed in God, but at best a lot of them were deists. They thought there was a God there who was just some abstract being who was leaving us alone. Uh, but over time, as, as this Christian mythology was built about the United States that somehow we are uh, divinely set apart. Well, every nation is for a time. All nations are risen up and taken away and, and turned to dust and ash. We're all Ozymandias at some point. But there really does seem to be some, like, rapid shift in society in the last number of years. I mean, just, just go back five years ago. No, let's go back 10 years ago. 10 years ago, the sitting president of the United States argued that marriage was between a man and a woman. And then very rapidly, the Supreme Court said otherwise, and now um, you're awful if you don't agree with it. Five years ago, everybody knew what a man and a woman was. And now everybody plays pronoun games. It's been remarkable, um, to, to the, the libs of TikTok account on social media, to see how essentially – uh, the, the gender games and the pronoun games, it's a bunch of conforming kids pretending to not conform. That's the most remarkable thing about this, the, 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 the whole cult of self-personality and self-identity. It's not individualism, it's individuality. It's the cult of self, I mean the idol of self, the worship of self. I am going to define myself. I will make myself male, female, or, or some other gender. And the world must bow to my demands. There's no truth. There's no objectivity. What I say governs, and if you don't like it, you will be punished. 
It is the ultimate self-worship. And how do you prepare your kids who you teach to not be selfish to go into a world that is increasingly selfish, increasingly centered on self? I have a buddy of mine. I have not done this because I hate people. Buddy of mine gets his kids up once every few months on a Saturday and takes them to the local food bank or uh, soup kitchen and makes them feed the poor. He wants them to see the poor. Uh, I don't like getting up on Saturday mornings and I hate people, so I haven't done it, but I probably should uh, make sure my kids understand there are real problems in the world. There are real people suffering. There are issues way bigger than their internet is slow. There are issues way more impactful to them than whatever is going on in Washington. And making them be grounded in some idea. This is one of the things I've noticed particularly uh, in this day and age is the people who are really grounded in self and self-centeredness and the pronoun games and all that. uh, They really are absorbed into politics and how it affects them and themselves. The Christians in this country, this is not a theological point or anything. This is just the data. Christians in this country are far more likely to give money to charities and nonprofits than people who are not Christians, people of faith in particular, Christians, but also Muslims and and, uh, religious observant Jews are the most charitable people on planet Earth. It is the people who have rejected religion who are the most selfish and self-absorbed. And you send your kids out into the world full of selfish, self-absorbed people who are way more focused on their pronouns and their self-pleasures than they are the homeless man down the road and yet blast your kid for not caring about the homeless man in abdication of their own duty. And I worry sometimes, am I doing the right stuff? So, so I like my buddy Eric Reed in, in the Knowing Jesus Ministries. It's is He'll come into your school and do a day-long program with the students on what they're going to face in the world and, and how they're going to get out into the world or the world's going to try to bully them and conform, get them to conform to the world. And, and that does kind of scare me about my kids. I don't want to lose their soul. I don't think they will. I think we've done an okay job, but my goodness, I miss my kid. It's only been 22 and a half hours since she's been going. I don't know what I'm going to do when she goes to college. I mean, we got one at home still. He wants to go play golf and go fishing this week. I'm going to have to try to accommodate that schedule too. And it's just a weird time to suddenly get to that age where your kid's driving and, oh, she just spent money at a vending machine too. Yeah. She's tied into my credit card. I can see it when she spends money. She keeps spending it in makeup at Ulta and Barnes and Nobles. My gosh, the amount of money I give to Barnes and Nobles through my kid. But nonetheless, you get my point. The world is coming not for you, but for your children. And I don't care whether you're progressive. I don't care whether you're libertarian. I don't care whether you're an atheist or a Christian or a Jew or a Buddhist. The world is coming for your kid. And whatever you are, the world is going to push your child to be the opposite of you. And it's going to make your challenge your children to either affirm or reject who you have raised them to be. And you as the parent have the absolute right, privilege, duty, and responsibility to raise your child to reflect your values and not to be ashamed of the fact that those are your values. And you should. If you love your kids, 
you don't want to send them into the world and have the world raise them for you. You just don't. Welcome! It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to get on the program, I am happy to have you. We do have to get to the economic data here in just a little bit. However, before we get to the the economic data, there's a freakout happening over J.D. Vance's Senate campaign in Ohio. This is from the Daily Beast. Republicans are increasingly concerned the author turned MAGA crusader is running the worst campaign you can possibly run. As one talk show host put it. Now, Bill Cunningham is on the radio in Cincinnati, or has been, and he is upset. Uh, Nobody seems to be able to find J.D. Vance, who went to Israel. Um, but I got to tell you, he's got Tim Ryan rapidly moving right. Tim Ryan is the uh, Ohio congressman that the media has been trying to make happen for years. Ohio is not as Democrat a state as it once was. It's not as swingy as it once was. And this is a terrible environment um, out there. I just there are a lot of people who don't like Vance. I was not a proponent of Vance's in, in the primary, but I don't think going to Israel is a big deal for his campaign. Um, you know, he can't act like he's already won, and I think that's where the concern is. But this freakout's nuts. I want you to freak out about Omaha Steaks, actually. I want you to go to omahasteaks.com today and get yourself the all-American assortment. omahasteaks.com. You put Eric in the search bar, and wait, guess what? You get 12 burgers for free. They've upped the quantity. If you go to omahasteaks.com, you save over 50% and you get 12 of the Omaha Steak Burgers for free. You put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar. You get uh, butcher cut fillets. You get boneless pork chops. You get boneless chicken breasts. You get gourmet jumbo franks, potatoes au gratin, the caramel apple tartlets, Omaha Steak seasoning, 12 burgers for free at omahasteaks.com. That's omahasteaks.com. You put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar. You get a guaranteed satisfaction from Omaha Steaks. You're saving over 50%. You get 12 burgers for free. You can't get this value. You can't get all of this food from the grocery store with this quality. Go to omahasteaks.com. Put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar now. Hello there. It would help if I turned my microphone on, wouldn't it? It's Eric Erickson. I am a professional. Just occasionally, I forget that. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I'm going to go to the calls. Uh, Midge, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you. I'm wonderful. And Eric, I learned so much um, about how the government works listening to you. Uh, well, thank you. Now, now listen, I, I, sometimes, you know, I was a lawyer, so I can't can't necessarily say I'm accurate, but I can sound convincing. <laughs> Very convincing. But I'm, I'm calling today to agree with you about when we send our children out into the world. My son went to Yale. Oh, boy. He and I cannot discuss current events or politics. And I want to. He's a bright young man. But... We just, you know, we'll get at loggerheads. Like um, when the shooting in 
and Texas happened. Mm-hmm. He said, Mom, how many more kids have to die? And I said, Chase, will they, then will we be giving up our, sec, our right to the Second Amendment? You know, so we just have to <laughs> let it go. But you're right. The world does change them. Oh, the world. And, you know, I, like I remember I went to what was considered at the, at the time a, a Baptist school. I went to Mercer University in Macon, Georgia. And I, you had to take Bible classes. You, they didn't have a religion department. They had a Christianity department. And my Bible class essentially tried to teach how, at a, at a Baptist school, how the Bible really isn't uh, the literal word of God, and here's why you should doubt it, and here are all the supposed conflicts. And what was so fascinating to me is having gone through that class and then gone to seminary, uh, where I actually learned how all those supposed conflicts actually are fairly easily reconcilable. But it was like you went to college and they did everything possible to shake you loose from your values, particularly if you were a Christian, uh, to shake you loose from those values and, and turn you upside down and, and make you a political progressive. It was a, a school of indoctrination, not actually a school of education that you, you go to. And now, of course, we see it in high schools and elementary schools. And oh, yes, yes. And I went to parochial school, so I was very much indoctrinated. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that's okay. It didn't do me any harm, okay? Right. And um, we raised Chase in our faith, and then I said, later, if you change, I, my belief is there's only one God. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter to me where he goes to church. I said, you know, when you want to praise and thank God, that's then go get on your knees. Right. Yep. Amen to that. Look, I appreciate very much the phone call, and it, that is a concern I hear per, from so many parents. How do we prepare our kids to go to school? Uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've got to say, I, I have a number of friends of mine who will not send their kids to or are actively dissuading their kids from going to religious schools not because they think they're going to get a bad education there, but because they really do want their kids to get to the point of of having to actually deal with this stuff as opposed to continuing to be, to a degree, a very sheltered uh, life where at some point they're going to be confronted by reality. And I just I go back and forth on that. Uh, my kids kind of know what they want to do. One wants to be an aerospace engineer. One wants to be an architect. Uh, I think they both like to go to Georgia Tech. Um, Their grandfather, uh, my wife's dad, is a Georgia Tech grad, and so they have grown up uh, with lots of Georgia Tech propaganda. (laughs) And they want to go to Tech, and I don't blame them. It's a great school, but my gosh, it's also the school. I remember there have been multiple lawsuits over the years about how that university has uh, treated people of faith. Uh, you know, there's. I actually wrote a book a number of years ago called "You Will Be Made to Care," about the growing uh, persecution of Christians in America. And one of the stories in the book is how two uh, kids of faith at Georgia Tech were bullied by the administration, which tried to force them out of the university for not participating in pride events. And they wound up suing and winning. Uh, one of the one of the students had to have security at the school because the administration itself was so public in their bullying of her, her life was threatened. And um, it, it was an awful story, but she won in the Supreme Court. 
just uh, it just just interesting. Now I gotta move on because there's a lot of other news out there, and I could dwell on this stuff all day, and I really don't want to. Uh, there is some economic data that we need to discuss. This comes as the Biden administration wants to say we're not in a recession. Now, okay, let me at least explain to you whether you agree with him or not. And, and I got to say, I don't endorse the view, and I need you to hear me out of the gate. I'm going to get hate mail from someone saying, I can't believe you're defending the Biden administration. I'm not. I'm trying to explain to you their thinking. The Biden administration does not want us to use the two quarters of negative growth definition of a recession because here's what they say. The economy is contracting, but the contraction is dominant in only a handful of sectors of the economy. It's not a broad decline. Now, I'm not going to play the yin and yellin from Meet the Press clip again. Because I don't want to put you to sleep. Some of you are driving. I don't want to be responsible for your deaths when you fall asleep at the wheel and drive off the road. But essentially, Jenny Yellen was saying that across the board, there are dynamics that show that the economy is not actually in a recession. There are some areas of contraction. But by and large, we have growth in employment and we have growth in finances. There's just some stock market quibbling. I mean, she, she's trying to make a plausible case for the fact that while we may see a decline it's only in a handful of sectors, most particularly the technology sector. It is supply chain related. It is not the underlying fundamentals of the, of the economy that are affected. That's what she's going to claim. That's what she's claiming. That's what the White House wants to claim. That's why they say there's not really a recession. Even if there's decline, the decline is supply chain based on external factors, not the underlying fundamentals. Uh, hiring is still strong. Uh, payroll continues to increase. Income continues to go up. Yes, inflation is bad, but it's not straining the economy. What's straining the economy is the lockdowns in China, the the port backup. Um, we can't get enough people for the economy, which means the economy must be strong, that sort of stuff. And so that defies the the two-quarter negative growth definition because of all those underlying data points. The problem here is if you go a little bit deeper, there are lots of warning signs in the economy. One of the biggest warning signs is the rate of mortgage um, demand has collapsed. I have to be careful when I say this because uh, the other day when I sent out the stack of stuff, um, Philip sent it out. I'm going to blame Philip. I'll throw him under the bus and say that the, the number one story was mortgage rates have gone down. My father-in-law is very aggravated with me. He couldn't understand what I was talking about when I said in the email it was mortgage rates. It's actually a typo. It should have been a mortgage demand is declining, not mortgage rates are declining. The demand for mortgages is collapsing more quickly than economists thought would happen. That's a troubling sign for the underlying, underlying housing economy. But there's another troubling sign. This is from the Financial Times. Rents are up nearly 40% since January of 2021, according to Apartment List, indicative of a broader trend that has gripped the country. For realtors, double-digit rent increases have been a boon for business. 
For the Federal Reserve, they serve as yet another hurdle in the central bank's quest to get the worst inflation problem in decades under control. With little relief expected in the near term, economists warn elevated rents will act as an accelerant, maintaining upward pressure on inflation, even as consumer price growth stalls for other categories. It makes the United States Central Bank's job of tackling soaring prices all the more difficult. So rents are going up. Also, the Federal Reserve is probably going to increase interest rates. Growth is already slowing in response to the Fed's repeated interest rate increases with the housing market softening, technology companies curbing hiring, and unemployment claims edging up. But the inflation is proving persistent at a four-decade high. A growing number of analysts say it's going to take a recession and markedly higher job lossness or joblessness to ease price pressure significantly. A Bloomberg survey of economists this month put the probability of a downturn over the next 12 months at 47.5%, up from 30% in June. We have to curb things domestically to help us get where we want to go on inflation, said Bank of America Chief U.S. Economist Michael Gapin, who's forecasted a mild recession starting in the second half of 2022. Interest rates are going to go up. Rents are going up. Prices are still going up. Gas prices have come down some, but they're still way higher than they were when Trump was president. They never got over $4 a gallon when Trump was president. In fact, they never got over $3 a gallon when Trump was president. And then there's used cars. Uh, Jim and I were, were in here talking and talking about the, what's the average price of a new car now? 47000 47, for a new car. Get this one. Consumers are paying $10,000 more to buy a used car than if the economy was normal. And older vehicles are following the typical pattern of depreciation. The price premium for used cars rose to $10,046 above projected normal prices. The average used car price, now keep in mind, $46,000, $47,000 for a new car. The average used car price now, $33,341 in June. Nearly new cars, cars that are between one and three years old, are at 42, 3, 14 for an average. So put this in perspective for you. A, the average price of a brand new car never driven off the lot, $47,000. The average price of a used car less than three years old, $42,000. The average price of a used car generally, $33,000. The price of a one to three-year-old car can now get a premium of $13,145 above what it sold last year. As a rule of thumb, cars typically lose value the moment you drive them off the lot. But a study from Copilot found that the pandemic is upending those dynamics. For example, among all types of used cars, only 8- to 13-year-old cars depreciated in June. A shortage of new cars is pushing more buyers into the used car market, which is leading to price increases for those vehicles. The used car market overall still has a long road back to normal. Despite a number of challenges facing the overall economy, the market has not softened to the degree that might have been expected. That's insane. I will tell you, um, so I there's a car dealership in Atlanta. It's called Jim Ellis. 
Uh, my last three vehicles have come from Jim Ellis. And every three years, I get a new vehicle. Now, I used to have a Chevy Tahoe. And my gosh, I love that Chevy Tahoe. And I started to do an ad uh, for Jim Ellis, and they put me in this brand new Yukon Denali, which was really nice. Well, you know, the one of the owners of the company is like, I, it, it's a rough and tumble political season. I don't know that we should be doing ads with someone who talks about politics on the radio. So he didn't want to do it. I was like, I was going to give him back my car and keep my Tahoe. And my kids were like, Dad, you can't get rid of this car. It's too nice. Like, fine. How much would it be? Oh, that's not, not bad with the trade-in on my Tahoe that I loved. So I kept the Denali. Well, they told me. If I brought it back before it got to 100,000 miles, the Yukon Denali's keep their value pretty strong. So I got to 99,000 miles, and I traded it in and got a really good deal on another Yukon in 2019. And then, even though we were in the pandemic and lockdown, I still had put about 80,000 miles on the car by 2021. In two-year periods, I put about 80,000 miles on my car. That's how much I drive. And so I called them and they're like, yeah, man, you can bring in your used car and it's worth as much as you paid for it, which was absurd. So my brand new Yukon that I got in July of last year, for which I've now put 30,000 miles on it in a year, my brand new Yukon Denali that I bought is a 2021 model, almost fully loaded. They didn't have the one option that I really wanted because of the, the supply chain issue. I got it, and my monthly payment is less than my old car's payment. I didn't put any money down. Just traded in the old car, and my new payment is less. And it wasn't some Jim Ellisy magic that they did. I mean, they're awesome. I love them, but uh, it's just it's it's the economy. It's crazy. It's crazy out there for used cars right now. I could probably trade this sucker in after having it for a year and get an even newer model for probably the same note. I'm not going to try it now. Interest rates are going up. It's screw it up to some degree, but uh, that's okay. I, I got I to gotta have the latest and greatest buttons in technology. CarPlay, I'm an Apple guy. CarPlay, wireless CarPlay, my gosh, is it glorious. And now Apple's coming out with the whole, you can unlock your car with your iPhone, and you can like the entire dashboard. You can do CarPlay. They're eventually going to get to that. It's just so awesome. I can't wait. I will get a new car when GM starts letting Apple design the inside of the car with CarPlay. Shut up, Charlie. Okay. Now, Patriot Mobile, I got to tell you about them because there is some data we're going to get to on the generic ballot. It's got all the Democrats really upset. And one of those groups that's out there helping the Republican side is Patriot Mobile. Now, the CEO of the company wishes me to tell you something I, I have not actually highlighted before. They got guaranteed service. So you're going to get good service from Patriot Mobile. A lot of people are like, why should I switch from one of the big-name, well-known monopoly cell phone companies to a group like Patriot Mobile? There are a couple of reasons. One, they use the same cell towers as the big-name monopolistic cell phone companies. They use the same cell towers. Two, they share your values. Unlike those woke companies, they're actually Christian conservatives. Three, they take a portion of their profits and they give it to the conservative movement. They support conservative candidates and causes from the pro-life movement to the Second Amendment movement. Four, you get incredible discounts for using them. And five, they have 100% U.S.-based customer service. No offshoring of their customer service. You can call them at 972-PATRIOT. 
Tell them I sent you. You get free activation or go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. And by using them, being a customer of theirs, you work with them. They grow their profits, and so they help grow the conservative movement. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The full number is 877-973-7425. Here are the seven top cities prospective home buyers are fleeing. Not going to, but fleeing. San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Boston, Detroit. And if you want to get the full top 10, add in Denver, Chicago, and Minneapolis. San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, D.C., Seattle, Boston, Detroit, Denver, Chicago, and Minneapolis. Those are where people are fleeing. It's not just high price, high cost of living there. Crime is a real issue. People are moving to surrounding areas. Interestingly, on that list, Minneapolis is the only one that's number 10 on the list. has fewer than 650,000 people. All the others are big. The cities where uh, people intend to move, Miami, red state, Tampa, red state, Phoenix, red state, Sacramento, California, it's the people fleeing um, San Francisco, Las Vegas, swing state, Cape Coral, Florida, red state, San Diego, Northport, Florida, red state, San Antonio and Dallas, red states. Uh, San Sacramento, people are leaving San Francisco going to Sacramento. People are leaving L.A. and going to San Diego, uh, which is more Republican and better control of crime. Uh, it's kind of a big indicator here that left-wing DAs funded by George Soros are ruining big cities.